Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Wayne Halley, CEO of Peninsula Energy. They are an ASX-listed junior with the uranium assets in the US. We talk about the recent announcement with the need, about the need to raise 40 million bucks. Uh, the bulk of that is to take out an existing long-term debt, uh, which hopefully will leave the, uh, should leave the company debt-free. Um, after costs uh, are taken out, they've got about nine million bucks spare. Put that together with their uh, long co- long-term contract sales, and they've probably got somewhere in the region of 16 to 20 million to play with. So we ask him what he intends to do with that, where's the upside for shareholders, and why should Aussie retailers be pleased? Enjoy the podcast. Hey Wayne, how you doing, sir? Uh, fantastic, Matt. Nice to talk with you today. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on at such short notice. Um, do appreciate that. You've got some big news, which I want to discuss with you. But first, let's give everyone new to the story that one minute overview of you know what your business is about. Right. Well, Peninsula Energy over the past two and a half years has been making significant advances in transitioning our existing alkaline-based in situ recovery operations in Wyoming to one that's going to use low pH mining solutions. Uh, We think that'll significantly enhance the economic potential of that flagship property for us when we recommence uh, production. But uh, our numerous achievements over the last several years, Matt, have have, um, that combined with the improving outlook and uh, for uranium demand in the market have not been reflected in our share price. Uh, our board, our you know, our folks believe that uh, the specter of, of uh, near-term maturity of the debt that, that our company carries has been the burden. Uh, it, it's been the reason why our share prices and, and our share performance hasn't moved with other uh, companies in this space. And today uh, we're in the we're in the uh, process of addressing that one final issue that's been holding us back. Okay, which is a large raise. It's it, it's quite a quite a big number, over forty million bucks. It's it's not to be uh, ignored. You know, your your market cap is around what twenty eight twenty nine million bucks, and you're raising forty million bucks. Why so much money? Well. Um, you know, we have to be careful. So I'm going to kind of step into the Australian dollar rather than the U.S. dollar. Um, and, and we'll talk Australian dollars for a little while now. Um, our debt in Australian dollars is, is about $27 million. Uh, and our capital raise, we're looking at about $40 million on the raise. So the purpose of this raise is to entirely... Uh, eliminate that debt in, in the nearest prospect that we can, and then we'll be, you know, taking on some some additional funds to carry our our company forward with the initiatives of improving the low pH technical um, understanding, uh, some optimization, some um, de-risking of our of our project moving forward. Uh, so, you know, the scale of the raise is really one that is recapitalizing the company. Uh, you know, going going after a rather large raise at this time, you know, the, the fundamental purpose is uh, extinguishment of the debt. Everything else that we're going to do, um, you know, could have been done with a much smaller raise, but the debt extinguishment is, is the main purpose. Right. Okay. I, and, and I do understand that. 
Um, you've had conversations with the, the lender. You've extended it a few times over the past few years. They've reached the end of their tether, have they? I mean, I, I know you kind of got extension from, again, April through to end of June. Yeah. You know, look, Matt, uh, we, we took this debt in um, 2016 when the company had just stood up the project and was just beginning production. Um, you know, over the last four to five years now, we've, we've extended the debt on a number of terms. We've changed the conditions on a, n a number of times. You know, and today we really do believe that, you know, uh, with the debt coming due at the end of October of this year, we really do face a very real prospect that uh, the investment horizon for those lenders and that lender group is really near the end. And we're not certain that we would be able to extend or, or change the terms and conditions of the debt moving forward. Beyond that, and we pay $3 million a year, Australian, in um, interest and, and servicing of that debt. So that's a big chunk of, of uh, burn corporate burn that that's being financed by our investors. So it's important for us to look for ways to reduce our burn rate, uh, reduce our, our costs of, of moving forward. And, and so extinguishing the debt became a real priority for us. But, and what, but why this method? Why, why a 45.4% discount to the share price as I, I think it was at, at some point in May? That's hugely dilutive, isn't it? Yeah, well, we recognize the offer price is a significant discount to our last closing price or to the to the pricing of our last capital raise, which was completed at the beginning of this year. Um, the the COVID-19 um, influenced markets today and in those markets, uh, equity raises uh, that are primarily for the repayment of debt or for the restructuring of a balance sheet uh, are being similarly priced. Uh, this is this is a, a substantial discount, but it's it's in the ballpark and and the same pricing as you would see uh, if you looked into the universe of other raises trying to accomplish the same thing. Matt, we priced this rights issue to minimize the execution risk. Uh, we also put we think the pricing puts values in the rights for the shareholders so that they might clear the market uh, if any current shareholders did not wish to or were unable to take up their entitlements. These shareholders may be able to realize some value by selling their entitlements in the market because of the way we priced it today. So who recommends to you that's the price? And what, do, what was the starting price? I'm assuming you negotiated it, but it's still 45.4%. So what, what were they originally recommending? Well, it, you know, this... This was, uh, yeah, we, you know, you were looking at, at a 50% discount. We weren't quite at that um, at that level. But, you know, you can see uh, raises of this type in the markets today offering 30 to 60% discounts. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's pretty much, I think, I think the retail uh, investors have kind of taken their breath away. They're not quite sure what to make of it. You know, and, and so, what, well, you tell me, what do you think they should make of it? Uh, I, I want the retail investors to be assured that um, the form of this capital raise was selected because it puts uh, our current shareholders uh, front and center first. Uh, they have first rights uh, to take up this well-priced offering. Uh, we didn't do a placement to institutions in advance of opening up this rights offer. 
this rights offer goes to our shareholders first, and if they take up their sharehold, their their rights, um, nobody else will. Uh, now it's fully underwritten, um, and it's been underwritten by Canaccord and, and a group of sub underwriters. So if if the shareholders uh, do not exercise their rights or opt not to for one one reason or another, uh, you know we can be assured that this this raise will be successful. But uh, very important to the board, very important to the company, was the treatment of our existing shareholders, and that's why we selected this form of a raise. And it is in, inherent with this type of a raise that there are generally larger discounts. But again, each of our current shareholders has the first chance at these well-priced new shares. Okay. What were the other options you looked at? Look, um, you know, for the last 18 months now, we've been negotiating an arrangement that would achieve a, a partial monetization of one of our uh, offtake contracts. Uh, and the intent was of that monetization was to repay the debt. Uh, that's been a part of our story. But the viability of that arrangement really depends on the ability uh, to purchase uranium in the spot market and at the time of execution. Um, and, and the ability to buy at a price that would generate a significant upfront payment to the company. Um, with the recent increase in the spot price of uranium, the upfront value for uh, monetization type of transaction has diminished significantly. So the appeal of the attraction of the monetization is not what it once was. And for us, we're we, you know, being mindful of the proximity of the, of the maturity of our debt we did look at all of our realistic options for the company and we took the, the prudent uh, decision, we think, to avail the company of what is a fairly certain uh, market right now. The Australian market is a pretty buoyant fundraising environment at the moment. Uh, and it's not always like that. It hasn't been under the, you know, the COVID environment. There's been a lot of uncertainty in the markets and it may return to a volatile and uncertain market. So. We see this as a good time uh, to remove the specter of the long-term debt. We think this was the best mechanism that we could we could look at. Uh, we value our shareholders and we put them first in line um, for this raise. And you know, really, other mechanisms that didn't put our shareholders today first in line uh, were quickly eliminated. You must have been one of the few uranium companies wanting the uh, spot price to stay low then. Well, that is the irony, Matt, of, of our position. You know, the monetization depended on a low price and the markets were low for a long time. But the monetization transaction was just simply not getting done with some of the negotiations and the, and the agreements that had to be completed. Uh, it just, uh, it couldn't, it, we had a structure that we thought was a win for all parties, but there were some contract details that weren't working out um, we've looked at it. It's gone on long enough. We, we needed to reduce, um, you know, that the, the price of uranium going up was was against the, the interest of the monetization. But Matt, it certainly is not against the interests of the company in the long term. Right. True, true, true. Um, a couple of things on the, um, the actual terms. Uh, f first of all, the, the date uh, for this is when, when, what's, what's the date for this? Well, the record date, you know, for, for shareholdings is June 10th, but we're really looking to complete this raise in the month of June. Right. We'll have, uh, we'll have the proceeds uh, uh, com and, and completed by the 30th of June. 
and we'll be printing a strong balance sheet for the end of our fiscal year for the end of the, uh, the June quarter. So a question from a, an Aussie shareholder, why didn't you do it after the end of the Aussie tax year, allow them to sell down some of their shares and then roll over the, um, uh, the capital gains into next year? Yeah, uh, I've heard a few folks say that, that it would have been more advantageous for the, the current shareholders. Uh, now, uh, first and foremost, you know, that wasn't something that went through my mind sitting in the U.S. I don't have the same tax years. Right. And, and uh, maybe that was a miss on our part. Um, but our motivation for the timing was, um, was to make sure that the, the company was debt free and had a strong balance sheet at the end of the fiscal year. Right. Okay. Second thing, um, can accord. What under what terms are they? They're underwriting this, but what they're going to have a position in this at the end of it. I mean, how how are you paying that? Well, can accord is uh, you know brokering and, and underwriting and, and managing the process. Uh, Euros is also a co-manager of the mm-hmm. process. Um, you know, can accord gets or, or you know, gets an, an underwriting fee of five percent and a managed management fee of one percent. So the total cost on this is about six percent of the proceeds. Um, you know, and and can accord has gone out and, and uh, enlisted a book of sub underwriters. Uh, they do that on their own, but um, you know, we've talked to major shareholders, we've talked to you know, investors and high net worth folks and, you know, interested in this space. And, and so it's not actually, you know, some of the Canaccord folks, some of the, so some of the principals are in that, in that investment block, but uh, the sub underwriting is being done by institutions and, and, you know, uh, outside of Canaccord. So okay. You're not seeing Canaccord taking a major position. Okay. I guess my, my main concern when I see deals like this and, and, um, Groups like that, and I've had it done to me, uh, so it's particularly raw, is where they they dump stock into the market after a four month hold. This the stock gets hammered as a result, and sometimes never recovers. Certainly, companies of a certain stage. So, are there is that a, a, a likelihood here, or have you taken precautions, or have you been given assurances? Yeah, um, look, that's a concern. Everybody has that concern, and what we wanted Canaccord to do was to get a strong book to strengthen our um, our registry. Uh, you know, we've asked them to look for investors who are long on uranium, and they have. We have you know very good support from long uranium funds in the sub underwriting book. We did not want fast money in this deal. Um, really, what we want is for our existing shareholders to exercise their rights. We want them to benefit from the pricing and and the future that this company has to offer. Uh, we appreciate our, our current shareholders' uh, support coming into this, and, and uh, we hope to continue to enjoy them. We encourage them to all take up their rights. Uh, the best way to avoid fast money coming into this company is for the shareholders who are currently owning the company to take up their rights. No, absolutely. But at the same time, you don't want to hold them to ransom here on, on needing to do that when some of them you know, may not be able to. And you know, some may also be long suffering, buying in at much, much higher prices. And you're asking them to kind of double down on something which um, you, you need to give them comfort that you believe you're going to be able to get over the line. Not just the, the raise, but in terms of getting the company into production um, and survive long enough to be a player in this market. 
And that's that's really Matt. What um, you know, the residual of this uh, shareholding is about, and our current cash position. Uh, we look to see that that this company can move forward with our de-risking and optimization work at Lance, and start to prepare for the resumption of production operations at the facility uh, with our current cash flow. We have we'll have a strong balance sheet that'll carry us through 2021 and beyond, and you know, into 2022. Uh, and not just sitting on our thumbs. We, you know, we're going to be working to advance the technical aspects of the project. Uh, we continue to identify ways that we can make this a, a, a stronger production operation at a lower cost. We want to continue to test that. Uh, we're, we've been preparing a new field demonstration. As you know, we've done one field demonstration at the project already with the low pH, but now we're uh, you know, we're at the cusp of starting a second field demonstration. We'll do that in July uh, or August, but certainly uh, we'll be starting the new field demonstration in the September quarter. Um, you know, we're going to invest in the project. We're going to invest in getting it ready for production. Uh, the, the reality is, you know, we haven't made a final investment decision to to start or resume operations, but the market trends are very positive. And we're prepared to do this. Uh, we're prepared to, to, to ramp up our production on general market improvements or on uh, US market opportunities. And uh, we believe, and, and we've looked at this very closely, we can be back in production and producing at a healthy rate within six months of a final investment decision. See, so you've you got this raise, you're gonna be able to retire that debt so you're going to be debt-free, so there's no burden. Was that a securitized debt position as well? Sorry, if I may, I'm just, I'm just trying to understand yes, the severity. So it's securitized, yeah. so it's quite severe. Um, you can park that up. You do have, if I remember from our last conversation, some revenues in the, over the next couple of years from your contracts that you've got in place. I mean, how much are we talking about as a contribution there? Sure, right. Well, look, over the next 18 months, our contract book yeah, has 525,000 pounds of deliveries. Um, if we do that, if we supply those deliveries from the market and you know make purchases in the spot market today, um, our deliveries are priced you know well above the spot market, so there's a good margin on that. If we did this without producing, uh, we could realize a net, a net inflow to the company of $9 million over the next 18 months. Um, looking forward into the future, our contract book extends out to 2030 and generally is 400 to 600,000 pounds per year, every year from now to 20, you know, to tw now to 2030. So we're really just moving into the sweet spot. And one of the benefits, if you will, of not conducting the monetization is that we're preserving that strong contract book and the near-term deliveries, which were the ones that had the most value in a monetization. So rather than taking money today through a monetization, but taking less than the value of the contracts, we're preserving those contracts. And in 2021 and 2022 and 2023, we have a stronger contract book and much stronger revenues. Okay, I'm just trying to get an idea of, of numbers here. So you've got over the next 18 months, nine million bucks of contribution. What's the delta after you've paid down your debt, paid the paid any uh, interest and paid fees to you know the various parties? I mean, how, what what sort of number are we sitting on? Well, the residual, yeah, right. I know. 
pardon me while I grab a sheet of paper with some math on it. Yes. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, you know, out of the, the 40 million, which we're raising, uh, 27 and a half is going to go towards the retirement of the debt and the payment of the interest. Um, you know, 6% of it is costs for the equity raise. Um, generally speaking, um, you know, we're, we're looking at um, having um, nine to $10 million Australian uh, proceeds available for us to advance the project to do the, the low pH transition uh, de-risking work. Uh, you know, and, and to carry the company forward. We had a good quarter. Um, it's, or we're having a good quarter. We had some revenues in the second quarter of this year. Right. And, and our balance wasn't significantly diminished because we've been very careful with our spending. So we're coming in, you know, we're coming to the end of this quarter with a good cash position. We'll pick up some additional cash through this equity raise. And uh, you know we'll be you know fairly strongly cashed up. Uh, the potential to be, I guess, you know, somewhere in the range of sixteen to twenty million Australian. Okay, sixteen to twenty million um, bucks. Your GNA is what for the next eighteen months? Yeah. Uh, well, our our corporate overhead has been reduced to you know probably around the range of two million per annum. Right. Or less. Okay, so three million. So, I mean, so you have three million there for the next eighteen months. We've, and, we've knocked that down. We're we're spending. Look, we're spending money on the project. Uh, we're spending money on. The, that's what I want to get to. What what are you going to do with this money? You, you've got you've got some cash. Do you just sit and wait it out because the market's doing what it's doing, or are you progressing this new low pH solution that you've come up we're with? Absolutely advancing the low pH. At the, what pace? At what pace? What do you get? What are you yeah. doing? Uh, we're, we're spending the, the investment into a, a, a field demonstration. It's going to be about three patterns of, of wells. We put these wells in. Uh, you know, you spend um, you know, $250,000, $300,000, $400,000 on well installation, and then you're going to acidify or, or start running the operation. You have operating costs, chemicals, etc., um, to run the test. Uh, I see that as, as being um, $500 to $1 million. Um, these are U.S. dollars because I'm, I'm going to have the, you know, the U.S. operation. So we continue to, to pour money into the, the technical improvements. We have some test work, uh, laboratory uh, test work, and other sc other scaled up test work that we'd like to conduct. Uh, each one of these uh, technical evaluations are, are leading to optimizations. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think you know we'll be issuing a new feasibility study on the project, and then, and then there's costs associated with with issuing a, a new technical report for any any project, but. Um, you know, this isn't this isn't just about overhead. This is about investing in the project, um, not sitting on our thumbs and waiting for the market, but again, bringing our project to a better point so we can enter the market sooner, um, you know, at a better at a better uh, operating cost. Right. Okay. We're so we're moving on to a slightly healthier bit of the conversation, which is like, how do you get your company into production? Um, again, I know we've had a talk previously, but for people new to this, your predicted time frame for going from these tests through to feasibility study through to a point where you're going to understand the economics better. Um, what are you allowing for that time frame? 
putting the company in production and conducting the tests is not mutually exclusive. They can that can happen concurrently, uh, and that's important to understand. If we decide to make that investment decision because the markets are are good and and good days are upon us, we can be in production within six months. We have two existing well fields at at the facility that have not been optimally mined that we can today start. Um, you know, putting into production as low pH and, and recovering more or additional uranium from resources from those areas. In the mean, you know, we do need to invest in some of our facilities uh, to make it compatible with the low pH chemistry, the change of chemistry, including acid storage tanks, including refurbishment of our, our wastewater systems. Uh, all of those things, you know, we've said we're, we're ready to start doing some of the initial preparation. As the market signals indicate, you know, we'll be investing in that right away. And we have the resources and the flexibility now to do that with this capital raise. We don't have to wait and say, okay, now the market's good. Let's raise some money so we can start. We're actually going to be in the position of saying, now the market's good, let's start. Okay, so you can be in production in six months. At the point you've got all of this stuff in place, is that what you're saying? And you've got the money for that. So so when's the next raise? (laughs) Well, we have the ability, you know, with this planning to to put us into 2022. We're going to have a good cash flow, uh, a good positive cash flow in 2021 with the contract sales that we do expect to have. So we're, you know, we're really not going backwards at this point in time. We, you know, we have year in, year out sales that can be met. uh, either through production or from the, from the markets, depending on what um, the market tells us to do. You know, um, the market goes up, we'll meet our sales through production. If the market stays low, we'll probably meet our sales through, um, you know, through purchases uh, for the period that we can. So we have great flexibility. We're going to have a good cash balance, and we're going to have um, revenues that, that really nobody else in our space can speak of right now. Okay, so break. You talked about a bunch of stuff there. So can you break it down? How do you spend the spare capital that you're going to have? You got you got about nine million left from the forty million Aussie raise. You you talked about maybe over the next eighteen months, nine million contribution um, there. Um, in terms of well, depending depending on what the spot price is, um, and what how are you going to allocate that money? And what at what point do you stop? If the market's not recovered, at what point do you stop and go, okay, we need to sit on a cash reserve here. We've done enough testing. We know how to do this when it gets going, but the market's got to, got to give us those signals. Yeah. I mean, Matt, you're, you're asking the questions that we ask every day is, you know, is the market right? Should we be investing or should we, should we be waiting? Correct. Today, we know that we can um, guarantee or, or feel a lot better about the ramp up of our project if we invest in de-risking and optimization. And we're ready to put you know, several million dollars into the technical de-risking and optimization of the low pH transition. We're, you know, we're prepared to do some of the fundamental investments that, you know, the, some of the longer lead time investments that are gonna get us ready for production. So, you know, we have now, allo- you know, not allocated, but you know, we now expect to have the resources to to do these things, which which are going to put us in a prime position to make the investment decision to start production. That decision hasn't been made, 
and you know we're going to watch the clock we're going to watch our our cash balance very closely we're going to be good stewards of the resources that we have uh, but we're absolutely planning to to advance our capabilities and understanding of the project so that when we do come into production we'll come in strong okay do you think the retail market understands what you're trying to do and why I hope so. You know, we've been communicating the importance of the low pH transition at Lance for for the last two and a half to three years. I mean, this is this is something that uh, you know has been front and center in our story. This transition will put our project in into a lower uh, operating cost position with a higher productivity from our well fields and our ore body. Uh, this is technically a very important thing that we're doing with the transition. We're the first company in the United States to use what is the global leading uranium recovery um, process, you know, low pH ISR. Um, and our project is particularly amenable to that chemistry. You know, not everybody in the United States should use that chemistry. And our industry in the United States for the longest time has uh, relied on, fully relied on the alkaline chemistry. But this is a case where the technicals tell us the alkaline chemistry wasn't the right thing to do. And we should be, um, you know, uh, doing the low pH. We've, we've achieved the regulatory uh, um, approvals that we needed to move forward. And now it's really on us, you know, to invest in the project and start it up when the market says go. Okay. Do you think your prospectus has done a good enough job of explaining exactly why you're doing this? what you're going to do with the spare capital, um, you know, and what are you going to do to kind of get the forgiveness of the Aussie retail investors? I hope so. We put a lot of effort into the into the prospectus, and I can tell you, too, that a lot of effort goes into describing the risks of these operations, you know, in the company and, and general market risks, uh, you know, for any company. So I would encourage the investors to read the prospectus. To understand the pathway that this and the trajectory that this company has been on, uh, the accomplishments of the last several years um, are are really remarkable when you look at it in the hindsight. Um, today, this is an opportunity for us to um, recapitalize this company, to put it in in a position of strength and and having the ability uh, to rapidly respond to the market stimulus. We all hope and and expect that the uranium markets are, are on a positive uh, trajectory, uh, an upwards trajectory. That's what we've been seeing. We think that'll continue. And, you know, our company is preparing itself to respond to uh, better markets rather than the markets that we've seen for the past decade. Could you have waited longer? Could we have waited longer to do the capital raise? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think so. And and this was, this was really our judgment. The debt wasn't due immediately, but the longer you wait before you try and retire your debt, the, the bigger price you are going to pay to do so. Wayne, thank you very much. That's a great update. Um, I know it's been a tough uh, few, few, well, I say few months, few years, really, isn't it, for uranium? Um, you know, and I guess I guess the early signs are there. I think people are encouraged by what's happened in the last uh, couple of months, but you, you guys have still got a long ways to go and you've got to get yourself in a position to be able to fight that fight. So look, uh, thanks for today. Stay in touch. Let us know how you're getting on and if there's any news, pick up the phone.
Thanks, Matt. You know, we're, you know, we're doing uh, everything we can to position this company uh, for the, the rebound. We believe the rebound is here. We've seen the early signs of it and the uranium pricing in the $34 price range, maybe just the start. There's a, certainly a lot of uh, macro um, impetus to see the uranium price go up. Uh, you know, we see that happening. We want to be ready. We want to be uh, on the front line uh, producing uranium early and enjoying the profits of uh, being well prepared. Good luck to you. We'll speak soon. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.